and welcome to episode number 124 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen as we break down all the big news, all the big happenings, all the big bets going on in the sports gambling industry and here on the Friday podcast, just running through each and every NFL game, give you our thoughts. And if there's anything that we can drive home that helps you get to a bet that you wanted to make anyway, then we are doing our job. Of course, we are on all the places that you find podcasts. So please go subscribe, rate and review. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine at Brett Colson at Brad Allen NFL, And I am at Matt Brown M2. Guys, real quick, let's start here on Thursday. Hopefully, we don't have to say this very often to our listeners, but hopefully you faded us on uh, Thursday night football in a game that looked like the most dead of dead overs. There was never a game that looked more over than this one and ends up at 44 points. Guys, if you were watching this thing, they were scoring at will in the first half in this game and then collectively could not get anything going in the second half, and we ended up on the under. Um, Brett, I'll start with you on this one, and then we'll kind of move on. Did you learn anything at all from from this game, anything that maybe you might be taking with you as we move forward going after the Dolphins or the Jaguars? Yeah, I learned that the the Jaguars are just a pitiful team throwing downfield when they don't have DJ Chark. And that was kind of one of the reasons we liked the over so much is because they had that element on the outside against these against these Dolphins defensive backs. But Char- no Chark, they didn't have that guy they could throw to in negative game flow down the field. So, um, yeah, not a team that uh, I'm going to be able to trust. Mm-hmm when they're getting a big number or you need an over because that was, I mean, it was just a pitiful performance. Maybe Thursday night football. I would have felt much better if Fitzpatrick was playing from behind there than Mark, than Gardner Minshew for sure. Yeah, Brad. I mean, we were, we were all in agreement on points. We were getting the points at halftime. You almost probably, if you were holding the over ticket, you were almost spending the money. You probably thought that it was going to be good to go. And then just sputtering and long uh, fruitless drives in the, in that game. And then, uh, next thing you look up and here we go a final total of 44 in that thing yeah I, I only watched the first half because that took me to about 3am here so um, yeah <laughs> went to bed pretty happy pretty happy with the over ticket um, I mean yeah, I was a bit concerned at the end of the first half obviously when the Jags were in that two minute drill um, and they just <laughs> could not move the ball whatsoever and it, it started to look like right none of these receivers are getting separation here mm-hmm. um, and a couple of blitzes were getting home and then you're also seeing you know Dolphins run the clock down um, and yeah they've been playing behind for a lot of the season so they were slinging it around and, and playing with pace but as soon as they got the lead they really slowed it down from from what I could see um, so something to take into account if the Dolphins are favourite maybe going forward you know look for unders um, I don't know if there's going to be too many games where that's going to be the case I guess they, they when they play the Jets they got them a couple of times it could be, it could be an under, under look yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was painful. The second half, I'll just put it that way. If it was it was absolutely painful. The other thing painful, I got a beat report uh, a little bit earlier where a guy that I trust pretty well. I've curated a, a pretty decent list of beat reporters that I trust and, and national guys as well. And that he said, hey, despite reports, I'm getting reports that it is pretty unlikely that DJ Shark is going to play. So I run to the prop market, take a look. Chenault is sitting at 33 and a half receiving yards. And I'm like, all right, this has got to be an over the increased targets, the increased looks at him. 
Uh, I did at least get in on over two and a half pass uh, pass receptions. So that got home, but he finished with five for 33 exactly. So I lose that one by half a yard. And uh, that's just how gambling goes sometimes. But that was real fun when I thought I was getting in on what ended up being by far the best number. That thing ran all the way to like close to 50 at a lot of different shops around and uh, instead landed dead on the 33 and I lose by half a yard. That was pretty much how that game can just be described uh, altogether. That was uh, super unfun, but hopefully we'll have uh, have some winners for you guys this weekend. A little, some, some of the stuff that we feel a little bit more confident in. So let's kick things off here, guys. Raiders and the Patriots. This is a game that has been incredibly interesting to follow because this number opened, got as high as six, six and a half, is back down to pretty much five and a half universally now on this Raiders and uh, Patriots game. Raiders going across the country to visit the Patriots over in Foxborough, a total of 47. Brad, let's start things with you. The Raiders coming off a big Monday night football win against the Saints. And then you have this Patriots team that was a yard and a half away from beating a very popular bet in the Seahawks. Yes. Um, so this is probably one of my favorite bets of the week straight off the bat here. Um, you know, we, we spoke last week a little bit about the advantages for the West Coast team hosting these night games where the East Coast team, you know, by the second half, it's sort of 10 o'clock on their internal on, in, on their internal body clocks and there's you know there's a long record a long history of the West Coast team winning the second half and we saw that in both of these night games that these two teams were involved with uh, Raiders I think tied at 17 at half time went on to win that one by 10 Patriots tied at 14 at half time and their one went on to lose by, by 5 in the end so it kind of played out as you might expect um, but I think kind of to take away from that is that probably the West Coast team was fav- was you know, it was flattered by the results. You know, they, they had that benefit, um, which is going to be the opposite here. And the Patriots are going to benefit from this early start. The Raiders have got to travel cross country on the short week. Um, got Bill Belichick off a loss here, who you know is historically about seventy percent against against the spread. After that, I know you don't like trends, Matt, but I think there is something to that. You know, if, yeah. if the best coach of all time is is sixty percent against the spread anyway, um, I, you know, I do buy a little bit that he's going to be. We, we saw that picture of him just dishevelled, looked like he'd been grinding tape for I three just, days straight without sleeping. I mean, we should just we should just go off on a tangent on that just a little bit. That this guy's worth like a hundred million dollars, and he's showing up in a sweatshirt that, no joke, like that was not made to look like that. I know you can buy clothes that are made to look old and that have holes already cut in them because like you're trying to be cool and all that. That was not the case with that thing. Those were natural holes. That was natural funk that was on that sweatshirt. Bill Belichick wore a 25-year-old sweatshirt. There's no doubt about it. That thing was 20 years old, guys. If anyone thought that if anyone thought otherwise, you're getting fooled. That was not any sort of look that he was going for. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's been grinding. He's he's gone, <laughs> you know, I cannot go one and two here. We're going to smash the Raiders in. Um and so, so as I said, we've got one team I think was, you know, was in an unfortunate situation and, and now is going to be in a good situation and the reverse for the Raiders. And then there's some interesting things coming out of New England this week in that Belichick presser. He was talking about they've been working on Cam Newton's throwing motion. Um, you know, he's always been a bit army, not, not really mm. stepping into it, just sort of heaving it down the field. They're talking about working through that. Um, 
and you, you kind of saw that on on Sunday night, where so Newton's fourth fourth ranked passer by PFF on intermediate throws, second on deep throws from PFF, um, eight point seven yards per attempt from the pocket is, is top ten in the league there. So we already know how efficient he's on the ground. They're just you know whenever they're in the red zone now, it's, it's Cam Newton. If they need a third or fourth down, it's Cam Newton, which which makes them more efficient mm-hmm. than the average team anyway. And now he's now he's got a downfield passing game to go with that. Um, especially against a Raiders team, which doesn't really have very good corners at all. Um, and just also from that Raiders game Sunday night, obviously they won by 10 and they, they've probably got an upgrade here, but the Saints had 7.4 yards per play to 4.9 for the Raiders. Saints had a 60% success rate to the Raiders at 47. So there was a lot of penalty yards, which I think kind of was one of the reasons that the Raiders actually won. But either, either way you look at it, I think they were... I think the Raiders were really flattered here. They've still got offensive line injuries, two rookies on the offensive line. You can be sure Belichick's going to be throwing all sorts of complicated blitzes at them. And I would imagine, reading beat reports, that they're going to double Darren Waller and make these rookie receivers beat them. So you're going to have Henry Ruggs, who did not practice, going against Stephon Gilmore. And uh, I think I think Belichick's also watched this this Saints game and saw that Derek Carr is still... He's still Derek Carr. You know, they scored 31 points. He's still missing deep, open receivers. Um, so I think Belichick's going to say, yeah, you can you can try and beat me deep, but you're not going to beat me with these little dump offs to Darren Waller and beat me with a scheme. I'm going to make you throw it deep. And I don't think Derek Carr is good enough to uh, to do that. Is Waller going to play? I was going to say, Brett, Waller did sit out practice. He has said himself that he is going to play. I mean, we know how these uh, these these guys, when they come out and they say they're going to play, that doesn't necessarily always play out because at the end of the day, it's still a team doctor decision. But uh, he says he's going to play. Josh Jacobs actually sat out of practice as well. So just something of note, if you as you kind of go about handicapping this game, that there's at least a chance that one or both of those guys could sit out and Brett, I can only imagine as you look at this game, if either one of those guys were on the bench, um, you would, you would look at this even completely differently than you do now for sure. Yeah. And I already, I already see this as a beautiful yeah. spot to fade Vegas. If, the, if those two guys don't play, then yeah. I mean, how are they going to, how are they going to move the ball on mm-hmm. offense? Hey, this is just a, a great spot for new England. You got the Raiders coming off that home win in prime time against the Saints team that was already overvalued by the market. And like Brad said, the Saints dominated that game looking at the yards per play anyway. Yeah. Short week here for the Raiders. They travel across the country against a team that just has a much more efficient offense now than they did the past couple of years with Tom Brady. Uh, I, I love this number too. I mean, you're getting it short of seven. It's five and a half right now. What is this number? I, I, this is a, this is a baffle. This is a baffling number to me. I don't get it. This should be seven easy. Uh, I just, I don't know how the Raiders get stopped. I said to, uh, I said to Brett earlier in the week, I said, it looks like I'm probably just going to bet every trap game this week. And I, if I get trapped, I get trapped. Uh, this being it, yeah. uh, I, I, under six in this all day long. I was willing to bet this at six as it was anyway. And now that it's moved under six, it is definitely my favorite bet of the week. We did not talk about this beforehand, guys. This is just all of us in agreement. Promise you on that. Uh, it, look, this is just a bad spot altogether for this Raiders team. One thing, Brad, that you mentioned that I think is pretty important here is Cam is actually completing balls down the field and actually throwing balls that are not kind of like these 50-50 balls that he threw for the first half of his whole career where as you mentioned 
there, he always had the arm strength. He just didn't throw necessarily properly. And, and all of these deep passes way down the field were, were always ended up being these weird kind of 50-50 balls. Well, he was really accurate so far this season on these balls down the field. And, and the Raiders are just going to get eaten up, eaten alive by those by this team. So uh, same with me, guys. This was this was at the very top. Of, of the list for me as it was anyway and then getting the practice report yesterday and knowing that even if Waller does go even if Jacobs does go they're going to be playing it at, at far less than 100% as it is anyway so it uh, seems like a great spot for me love 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 New England here minus five my best bet most likely here on the week as a as a top to bottom bet as we do each and every week, Brett, we will go to you for the Bills. Uh, Rams traveling to the Bills in this one. If we look over at DraftKings, you're going to find the Bills as two and a half point home favorites. If we head over to uh, actually, if we kind of look across the board on this one, that seems to be the consensus at this point. This was this number was one that has been curious to a lot of people. I'm anxious to see what you think about it. It is gotten all the way down to one and a half at FanDuel, but two and a half seems to be the consensus line across all the books here in the States. What do you uh, what do you see of the Rams and the Bills? I like Buffalo quite a bit here. It's a more of a situational play. Mm-hmm. I was worried about some of these injury reports early in the week, but it looks like Ed, 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 Ed Oliver was back at practice on Thursday. Trey White, Cole Beasley all practiced. Uh, I would like to see one of these linebackers back on the field this week. Milano, Edmonds, their absence was noticeable last week against Miami. They just torched these guys over the middle of the field with, with Gazicki and Isaiah Ford. But Back in Buffalo this week, windy conditions expected again. And I think that plays into the hands of the Bills, a better running football team. They can come at you in so many different ways on the ground. Um, yeah, short of a field goal, I like the home team here. I think the Bills are a better team. And uh, I like I like the under, too. It's been climbing this week. But I think both these teams are going to try to run the football and take advantage of some of these leaks in these defenses. You can run on both these teams. Total sitting at 47 and a half, Brad. Uh, We're looking at Josh Allen. Already articles getting written about Josh Allen being a serious contender (laughs) for MVP, despite the fact that he has played two horrid teams so far. Don't get me wrong. He has looked good. There's no, I'm not taking anything away from him there. I'm just saying maybe let's pump the brakes until he plays a team with a pulse, which would be this week in the Rams. Allen, six touchdowns, no picks, completing 70% of his passes, 729 pass yards through two weeks. Um, how do you see this one here again? Uh, West Coast team heading to the East Coast. Yeah, I found it. There's, a, I found a lot of conflicting angles in here. So there is this. So it was originally scheduled where the Rams asked for two East Coast games in a row, so they could stay out east. But for various COVID reasons, they had to travel back and mm-hmm. forth, and they're traveling back again. Which I think that's got to be a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two what was it, six hour flights or four six hours six hour flights in kind of six days or whatever here. So I think that's a negative. Um, Alan, he's, 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 he's living up to the billing. We, we've spoken a couple of times about all the play action, all the four wide they're running. You know, he's, he's first in football outsiders, um, DR, second in DVOA, fourth in QBR, leads the league in positive play rate of 60%. So he, he is for real. And we kind of seen just adding how, how much adding a good receiver can affect a player. Um, you know, you, you think of you think of the Vikings with uh, Case Keenum. The, you, when you gave him Diggs and Thielen, he was he was suddenly an elite quarterback. So I, I am buying into it somewhat. Um, 
but I also, I'm also, I'm also backing on the Rams because you know they're they're suddenly fourth in success rate, mm-hmm. and it looks like the old Sean McVay. And I've, I've been trying to work out all week what's changed because it's, it's personnel wise, it's very similar. The offensive line is not really new. The receivers are the same. Um, and some things I've found is they're running much less of the zone blocking scheme, and it's much much more kind of duos and I think it's gap blocking um, in the run game and the run game suddenly working and then obviously that opens up all of the play action again um, but then it's a concern that I think they lost their their guard Joe Noteboom um, doesn't look like he's going to play so I don't know uh, the the other thing I thought was very interesting was NFC West teams um, we know this is kind of the, the brutal division of the NFL they all beat up on each other so far this season the NFC West out of division, they're six and zero. Oh, um, point differential of, of about 11, 11 and a half points a game that they're they're beating their opponents by. And the NFC West is seventy percent out of division against the spread since the start of last year. So that would probably put me on the Rams. It would put me off the Rams that they've got this long long trip. So I've, I've not bet it, but I think it's a, it's a fascinating game. This one is one I thought I would be it would I would gravitate towards the bills. I thought that this would be a situation where I would be all over the bills. Actually, and the more I dug in, the more I kind of came to the same spot you were, Brad. I mean, this and the Rams team has been incredibly efficient. Small sample size. We do understand this as we get move into the season a little bit further. A lot of the stats that we're looking at, a lot of the advanced metrics will make a little bit more sense, have a little bit more time to mature and play out. But listen, we have to take what we can get. And so far in the short season here in the small sample size, the Rams have actually been very efficient, looked very, very impressive. Both sides of the ball, actually, even Um, I actually I was really thinking that this was Bill's bet was going to get in my account probably right off the bat. And now here I sit, I think I'm going to take a pass on this game. I am pretty interested to see if the bills hold up to their first real competition of the season. And I understand that this is a road game, but again, I am not factoring in near as much in these road games with limited to no people in the stands. I mean, I think that whenever you talk about some of these other sports, it makes a, a little less uh, a difference than it does in football. Whenever you have these road teams and the crowds get loud and the offensive linemen can't hear the snap counts and you're getting false starts and you're getting these free yards and different things like that, where it just doesn't come into a it just doesn't come into play. And so, um, yeah, for me, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a, a pass. Uh, I will say though, I, I hate, I guess if I, if I had to play it one way or the other, I guess I would lean towards getting points. Um, with the Rams, which I did not think that that was going to be the case as I headed into the week here. Uh, Texans and the Steelers. And Brad, I think this is one of the more interesting games of the week as well, because this seems to be another one of these games that everyone is screaming. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Of course, the Texans have started off with two straight losses, but again, have played two killer teams here to start the season. And the Steelers have started off 2-0, but they kind of scraped by. We're looking at fours. There is a three and a half at Sugar House out there. It's gotten to four and a half, actually, at MGM. So we are kind of looking at everything from three and a half to four to four and a half as as far as the number that is available out there on the market right now. As far as the total goes, we're looking at about 45. Yeah, this is is another tough one for me. I do think the Steelers' offense, defensive line, as ever, is is going to dominate against these um, these Texans. Uh, but it's very tough to know 
about how, how the strength of schedule, how important it is. Because, I mean, we saw probably last night, the Dolphins, they looked a lot worse this year, but they, they played two good teams. Um, and that, that probably that's, that seemed to be the biggest factor in the game from from what I can make out. Um, so I would say I would say the the Texans are I think they are playing badly. I think they are really missing um, Hopkins there. They they don't really have receivers who can get open that well. The offensive line is not blocking that well at all. So um, Watson he does have a habit of holding on to the ball as well. And I think Pittsburgh they've also started this year. They've sending a, a lot more blitzers basically from from what I could read, they've realized their linebackers aren't very good in coverage. So they've just start they've just started blitzing them. And that means that forces you to block JJ Watt, Bud Dupree one on one. And they they're just trusting their back end to hold up. Um and that's that's really paying off for them this year. They've got, I think was it, fifteen sacks or so, something like that, through two games. Um and just about the best defensive line in the league. So I think they will cause trouble. Um and then yeah, I can see I can see Big Ben just moving the ball as they usually do. So I, I would lean to the Pittsburgh side here. Brett, we're taking a look here. No real major injury news as far as anyone missing. It does look like the Steelers might get David DeCastro back on the offensive line, which would be huge for them. Again, this is where we kind of have to separate what we've seen so far from the individual week, which is this week in this game. And that is the fact that the Texans have played a brutal schedule to start here. They come in, they're playing a Pittsburgh team that – while I think all of us agree uh, that defense is going to keep them in just about every single game that they play, the offense is still a little shaky here. Big Ben hasn't quite gotten completely all that rust knocked off, uh, but we are heading into week three. Yeah, and that's kind of why I see this as a pretty good spot for the Texans. There has to be a sense of urgency in that locker room right now. They're, they're 0-2. They play the two best teams in the NFL. It's almost like their season starts now. And I haven't been all that impressed with Pittsburgh. You know, offensively, they, they look stale outside of the, the weekly amazing trapeze act mm-hmm. by Chase Claypool. That kid is amazing. Uh, defensively, obviously, they're, they're excellent, but they haven't faced uh, Deshaun Watson yet yeah. this year. Deshaun is fantastic. And, and they, they had troubles with Jeff Driscoll last week, an athletic quarterback who can get out and make plays outside the pocket. So yeah, it's, it's this, this is a weird line move too. This was a five and a half on the look ahead. Now it's four after the Texans start Owen two and the Steelers two and oh, I'm staying away from this one. I, this, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like This is a weird game. Yeah, this is the Steelers defense is a little puzzling as well as I kind of dug in a little bit further Guys, it's like they're they're destroying in pass rush, right? Like so they're doing very, very well in the pass rush category, which you would expect from what they have on that side of the ball. But so far, they're actually struggling in coverage, right? And so it's like if they don't get home, then mm-hmm. it's kind of bad news because the the quarterbacks are completing passes at a pretty high rate. The guys are not sticking with their with their assignments and and whatnot. So it's kind of like, do we believe? How often are the Steelers going to win in this matchup here? And then what do we have to change in our brains the way that we look at this with the fact that it's Deshaun Watson at quarterback as well? Because some of these times that they do get home, he's going to be able to scramble. He's going to be able to get out of there. He's going to be able to create something out of nothing. Uh, this one, 
has not made my card yet either. I'm a little perplexed. I'm a little confused. J.J. Watt was dealing with a groin injury. He did get back and did a, had full practice on Friday. So it looks like he's going to be able to go for the Texans. That being said, he'll probably get double teamed and won't be a, any sort of a, a factor in this one. Um, no play in my account would take the points with the Texans, I believe, if this was something I had to put in my account. Um, but again, another game that's just a little bit too confusing for me. And so I'll probably just go ahead and pass on this one. And this is one of the things that, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Jay Rude, who ran the MGM Sportsbooks here for 20 years, he would always say, he would be like, listen, here's the, what, here's the only time that you guys have the advantage on me. And he would say, I have to post every single game but you get to pick and choose the ones that you bet on. And so that's why I think like whenever we're kind of going through here, if you're listening to this and you're wondering like, ah, these guys are like giving this, this stuff. And then they're saying, I'll probably pass on it Uh, because you know, we're not going to, we're not going to take a side or take a bet just for the hell of it. We do have the choice to be able to pick and choose which games we play. So we're going to try to give you the best ones. And, uh, along the way here. And if one, something confuses me, I'm sure as hell not going to be recommending that game for anyone to uh, to play it here. All right, Brett, 49ers and the Giants. This is a mash unit for both sides here. Uh, worse on the 49ers side because they just lost all kinds of key players. Of course, the big marquee injury for the Giants being Saquon Barkley, who is out for the season. Sterling Shepard has been moved to IR with turf toe. Then we can start on the 49ers side. Nick Bosa out for season. Solomon Thomas out for the season. Tevin Coleman is going to be out for several weeks. D Ford, we don't know if he's going to be able to play. Jimmy Garoppolo likely not to play. George Kittle did return to a very limited practice yesterday. He is still not confirmed one way or the other whether he is going to be able to go. Of course, we already know that Debo Samuel has already been on IR. Richard Sherman already out for the season. So, I mean, there's just like all these injuries on the 49ers side. It looks like we're going to get Mullins at quarterback for them. Uh Pretty interesting, pretty interesting situation as we look at this. As a, it's a bad Giants team, but it's a 49ers team missing so, so many elements. Yeah, this is the scratch your head, look to the sky and wonder what the hell you do with this game. Like the 49ers, obviously not the team they were three weeks ago. This isn't even the 49ers. Uh, but oftentimes the market will overreact to injuries and so maybe there is a little built-in value just based on that I still look at this Giants team and I still see the worst team in the NFC so them only getting three and a half against the 49ers is uh this is another one I just I don't know what to do with I don't know what this 49ers team is going to look like with Nick Mullins we've seen Nick Mullins play for this team was it two years ago and he actually looked good he was serviceable Mm -hmm. like he's he's I don't see any difference between really between him and Jimmy G. So I don't see much of a downgrade there. Um, Bosa is obviously the big one, but these, a lot of these injuries kind of just offset each other. I, I don't know. I, I definitely lean 49ers here because I think there was a market overreaction to some of these injuries. 
Brad, um, look, we like we said, we have at least seen Nick Mullins before. It's not like this is a guy that has not started and, and played in the NFL. So there is at least that if we want to bring that to the table and say, OK, this is a guy that's this isn't a guy that's completely green. That being said, then you start to look and say, OK, he's not completely green, but who the hell is he going to throw the ball to? Uh, because yeah. there's every receiver seems to be nicked up. The only other weapon that they have in George Kittle is if, if he does play is definitely going to be playing at less than a hundred percent in this one. And of course now, you know, we have seen, we have seen the giants without Saquon Barkley before. If you buy into them signing Devonte Freeman as some sort of stop gap and sort of being able to get, you know, be somewhat serviceable for this team. Um, they are catching four actually at DraftKings, So you're, you, you do get a little bit more at DraftKings over there. And we are looking at a total of 41 and a half. Yeah, I think I would probably take the four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I would have a small bet on the four. I haven't done it yet. I think the injuries are far more impactful on the 49ers side. Um, Saquon, obviously, he's, he's a great talent, but they almost committed to him too much, you know, mm-hmm. like forcing him 15 carries for eight yards or whatever it was against the Steelers. I, th- I think if you hadn't got the second overall pick back there, you'd probably go, right, well, we've had success through the air and with play action. Let's just keep doing that. Um, and I think pe- perhaps that will force them to throw the ball more because they've, they've also got a, you know, a ready-made replacement for Shepard with Golden Tate. He can just jump right into the slot there. And they've still got the deep threat on the outside slate and they've still got tight ends. So they, they've still got weapons. Um, meanwhile, for the 49ers, I don't know if they're going to play Kittle because it, it was a huge storyline this week that the 49ers were unhappy with that turf at MetLife. Um, I think there was, you know, five lower body injuries in that game. They they were complaining on Twitter and stuff afterwards, uh, complained to the league, the league inspected it and said it's fine. But, you know, <laughs> like right. it just feels to me like they, they don't want to be there this week. Like, they're not, they're not going to risk George Kittle again. If, if he's got a dodgy knee as it is, they're not going to send him out there and say, you're going to be fine, pal. It feels to me like this is, let's just get through this game. Let's get out of here. Um, and we're going to regroup and, and play again next week. Um, and so they lost 70% of their pressures from last year. You know, the, the, that was the real strength of this team. Um, so suddenly you're not going to be able to rush the passer the same way you did. You don't have the the secondary that you did with, with Sherman out there as well. Your linebacker, one, you know, your, your key middle linebacker, he's out of the season. So this is just not recognisable to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think the Giants have, they've been... They've been fine. They've been good enough that I would back them getting four points against the, it's almost a replacement level 49ers team at this point. It makes me feel gross to say it. I mean, it really does. Mm -hmm. I backed them last week. It worked out. I kind of feel like I got maybe a little bit fortunate there. I can't believe I say that I'm going to say that I'm going to play the New York football giants two weeks in a row but damn it, I'm going to play the New York football giants two weeks in a row. Um, this, I don't believe that the drop off that we're going to get from a, from a running, from a rushing standpoint for this giants team is going to be that noticeable because they weren't getting anything out of the running game as it was so far throughout the course of, of the early season as we are anyway. Right. I mean, they were actually kind of relying on, uh, on the pass game, which is crazy to say. And I I'm with you. I believe that, you know, look, yes. Yeah, sucks that Sterling Shepard isn't going to be out there, but there's still enough people and enough weapons on that team to be able to move the ball 
through the air here. And I just don't know what the 49ers are going to do from an offensive standpoint here. I don't know how this is going to be able to be moving the ball up and down the field at a consistent basis with a completely new cast of characters that are going to be on the field. Um, you're going to give me four points. I'll take it. I've heard a couple of different people say they're even going to tease this thing from the four to the 10, which I would not hate that at all. I think at a game that's only got a total of 41 and a half. So if you're looking at, you know, kind of how we, if you ever play teasers, a situation where if you're catching 10 and there's only going to be 42 points scored, you know, projected to be scored in the game anyway, then uh, it's pretty easy to, to play a 10 point teaser when uh, there's only 42 points scored in the game overall. But anyway, pretty tough for any team to blow another one out in a 42-point game. So uh, don't mind that if you wanted to go about it that route. That said, I, I'm going to be backing the Giants yet again, and I can't believe that I'm saying that. It feels gross to say, and it probably might be the last time that I say it the, the course of this entire season, but here we go. Let's ride the New York football Giants for one more week here. Um, Brad, we talked about some weird lines, and this is one of the ones I think that stood out the most to most people. I was getting texts from friends of mine. I have talked about this on other programming that I have done. I would have expected this thing to open at more than a field goal. I would not have been surprised for this thing to open as high as four. The Tennessee Titans on the road at the Minnesota Vikings. And again, we're doing this on the road thing. We've talked about it ad nauseum, so I'm not going to say it each and every single time, but on the road at the Minnesota Vikings as only two and a half point favorites at DraftKings, actually only a point and a half over at Sugar House right now. It has moved to the three at FanDuel. It has moved to the three at BetMGM, but the two and a half is still there to be had at DraftKings. It's still there to be had at PointsBet. And like we mentioned, the one and a half there at Sugar House, no doubt about it. The Minnesota Vikings have looked like one of the five worst teams in all the NFL as we enter this season, as we enter, you know, week three here in the 2020 season and the Titans look, they hadn't been blowing the doors off, but they've looked at least pretty decent. Uh, what did this number, when you looked at it, did it, did it, did it look as curious to you as it did to me? Or am I just overreacting here? Uh, it was the one that leapt off the page to me. It was the first thing I bet Monday, um, you know, make some, just make my own numbers through my power ratings. And, you know, I had this above, above three and a half um and just no real no real idea as you say every, everyone i spoke about this was just like well it's got to be at least three mm. and i was like no it's one and a half or two and a half and it I, I can't see how it's correct um i suppose the biggest concern we'll get to the concern first before i go into why i like it is is there is some injury a couple of injuries in the tennessee titans cornerbacks um we're not entirely sure who's, who's going to be out there and obviously you know, we saw that the Jaguars went up and down the field on them last week because of that. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think three, probably a juice three is probably fair because the Vikings are being truly abysmal and they're dealing with cornerback injuries of their own. Mm -hmm. um, and they, 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 didn't, they didn't have the, the cornerbacks to give away. Um, so that, you know, their cornerback, Cameron Dantzler, he's uh, absent from practice along with Mike Hughes. They're their top two corners. They were already the second worst defense in the league by adjusted yards per attempt. Um, now they're, they're also going to be down to their third string linebacker in, in the position that used to be played by Anthony Barr. He's obviously he's out. He's on injury reserve. So they put Troy Dye in there. He's out. So they, they've got, so they've just signed someone off the street to play linebacker for them this week. 
Um, then offensively, if through the first three quarters, we kind of, if we strip out garbage time, Vikings got the worst offense in the league, worst passing offense in the league. Cousins got a 31% uncatchable pass rate in the first three quarters, third worst mark in the NFL this year. Um, just this, this team is like a, it's like a five win team as far as I can see. Um, and the Titans are, I think the Titans are kind of who we thought we are, who we thought they were, nine win team. You know, Tannehill's come out. He's been efficient as he was last year. The play action is still working. Henry's still chugging away. So I, I think they're kind of as a, as expectation, but I just don't think the market's caught up. For so long, the Vikings were every year, 10-win team. Mm. Zimmer covers the spread the whole time. But we know how young the, the back end of the defense is, the corners specifically. And Xavier Rose, when he went to the Colts this year, he said it's so much easier to learn because Zimmer's, Zimmer's scheme is very complex. And I think it's fair to say that, that they haven't learned it yet and they're, they're not executing it. And yeah, I, I can see the Titans having a lot of success here. So, uh, Brett, we take a look at this and I mean, yeah, everybody, it's very obvious when you look at the offensive woes, you just watch the team. They're not putting up points. They're not moving the ball. They're not getting first downs. But then you look on the defensive side of the ball and they've been almost equally as bad. If you look at the Dave ratings, which are over at Football Outsiders, which blends kind of the preseason thoughts with what they've seen so far, uh, 22nd overall defense. If you just look at the straight DVOA, 23rd rush defense in the league, they're sitting there at 20th. I mean, so we're looking at a defense as as well that is playing well below league league average that is uh, towards the bottom of the league in some other categories their pass rush very very low according to pro football focus down at 28th I mean there's nothing to like about this team at all there's like nothing that you can point at and say and so again another one of those plays where it's going to be a prove it week to me on some of these teams and uh, same deal Brad this was the very first bet I made this week, it's in my account. I still feel good about it. I don't care at all about people saying like, well, the number's not moving. So there's people. Yeah. Well, you know what? Prove it to me, Minnesota Vikings. Prove it to me that you can actually be one of the better football teams in the league. And if you can, then whatever, I'll lose my bet. But uh, Brett, convince me otherwise, unless you're on board with us here. Uh, yeah, this is another game I'm not touching, mm-hmm. but I, I actually do lean Vikings on the number if you can get three or even if it climbs higher. Mm-hmm. Like the Vikings stink, but this has been established, but the Titans haven't really proven anything to me yet either. Both these teams are 0-2 against the spread, but one of them 2-0 in the real standings. And I, I feel for that reason, the Titans are being overvalued in the market right now. They barely escaped last week against Jacksonville. And did we watch Jacksonville? on Thursday night, <laughs> not a good football team. So, I mean, I expect the Vikings to kind of get back to base this, this week, uh, get Dalvin cook involved. They just paid this guy 63, $64 million and only has 26 carries through two games. A lot of that is game script dependent, but this team has thrived for years running the football and the passing game isn't there without Stefan Diggs. Uh, so slow the game down, find your rhythm at home and you can run on the Titans. That has also been established. So, yeah, if you can get three or three and a half in the Vikings, I would lean that way. But yeah, I'm not touching this. Yeah, one. it does look like A.J. Brown going to miss again this week. That bone bruise typically takes a few weeks before guys get back out there. Corey Davis going to have to kind of carry the load there on the wide receiver side of things. Maybe live up to that billing that everybody was so excited about a long time ago. The Washington football team at the Cleveland Browns. Brett, this is a Browns team that it does not seem like whichever way you and I decide to bet on them, they are going to let us down one way or the other. So uh, seven and a half point home favorites. You can actually find a couple of sevens 
out there as well if you wanted to get down on them at that number. About 45 is what we're looking at on the total in this one. Um, is this a get-right spot for the Cleveland Browns? I don't know. I'm going to lose so much money on this team this year. It's it's so frustrating. Like, here they are. They're off extra rest. They stayed home after they dominated on Thursday Night Football last week. Still didn't cover. I still feel like they're probably undervalued by the market. But I don't like the seven and a half here. If you can get seven, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right side, but the worry is Baker against this pass rush and him just doing stupid things again. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it the past two years. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, just, I hate this team so much. <laughs> it's, it's tough. So Brad, Jack Conklin's going to be back on the line for the Browns, which is a, a huge upgrade for them against what is, you know, really the only thing that this Washington team does well is going to be rush the passer and past that. It's really all downhill from there. Nothing to really like on the offensive side of the ball nothing to really, of course, the secondary is absolutely putrid. So if they get home and they're able to create a bunch of havoc and they're able to get in Baker Mayfield's face and he's not able to have time. We understand that he does is one of those quarterbacks that fits the mold of struggling whenever there is a lot of pressure on him. So um, that would be a path to victory for, well, or in this case, a cover because we're, that's all we really care about. That would be a path to a cover when it comes down to it for, um, for this Washington team, I mean, the pass defense overall has actually been fairly good for for Washington strictly because of that kind of front seven and getting that pressure on them. Uh, the Browns did allow three sacks in week two on Baker Mayfield against uh, a Bengals team that is not known at all for getting pressure on the quarterback. So, I mean, I think it's basically how confident are you that the Browns are going to be able to keep a clean pocket long enough for Baker Mayfield to, to work the ball down the field with all these weapons of his. I think they do have quite a good chance. So they're, they, they're already the third best pass blocking unit by pro football focus. Um, and as you say, Conklin coming back this week, um, you know, that, that, that was a huge focus this year. You know, they drafted first round, they brought in, brought in Conklin, because because Baker was seeing ghosts back there, so I think they should do a good job. And but I think the biggest mismatch is on the other side of the ball in in these in the trenches here, because you've got you've got Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, um, and so collectively they're eighth in the NFL pressure percentage, fourth in QB hurry rate, and they're going up against the Washington offensive line, who's already second worst in the league by adjusted sack rate, thirtieth sacks per sacks per pass attempt, and then they lost their best player. Um, right guard Brandon Scherf he's out so already this Washington team was 31st in the NFL in success rate offensively and I just think Haskins is going to have he's going to have trouble in his face all day long and I I cannot see them moving the ball at all Um, Stephen Sims looks likely to miss as well so it's going to be can you shut down Terry McLaurin if you can I I think that's it Uh, it looks like Cleveland are going to get Greedy Williams back. Um, so I would, yeah, I think I probably would lay the seven under. I'd be tempted by the under 45 as well, because you know, when the Browns do get a lead, we know they do mm. want to run the ball. Um, but I'm not sure I can play a, an under in this NFL at the minute because it, yeah, uh, you know, it, they do seem to be trending over. We're hitting 66% overs at the minute. So I think, um, I think Washington, 
Oh, no, I think Cleveland minus the seven is uh, is probably quite a good play. I think that that is going to be a very popular teaser leg this week is going to be people taking that uh, Cleveland team down to a one point or one and a half point favorite. Uh, not really anything. It's not in my account. Maybe if maybe it could, I, I could be interested in getting in on that. I do think they win the game. Um, how big they win the game is the real question here, which is why I also think a lot of people will be probably either opening or closing a teaser with this Browns team on this one. Guys, I do believe that they'll have some success here. I just get worried about, I just get worried about backdoor covers when we're looking and again with a team that does have a, a receiver in McLaurin that we've seen so many garbage time yards and so much garbage time stuff put up, which, which makes it a little bit hard for me to pull the trigger on this uh, might end up in the account might end up as a teaser leg. I don't know. I get this thing as I dig in a little bit further, but as of right now, nothing in the account for me, uh, Brad, the Bengals are at the Eagles and this is yet another uh, in a, in a week full of interesting lines. We have another one here. This thing has moved all the way to the Eagles as four and a half point favorites here. It was five, five and a half, six, now it is all the way down to four and a half on the Eagles at home against the Bengals. Of course, some news did come out, which I don't know why it would maybe have moved anything here. Jalen Rager is going to miss a few weeks for this Eagles team with a thumb injury. It's that kind of same tear that Drew Brees had to miss some games with last year. That's what he's going to be dealing with. You're still looking at Geno Atkins, who's likely going to be sitting out for this Bengals team. That being said, I think what we learned, Brad, is with this Bengals team, there's just enough talent on offense, and Burrow is just enough poised as a rookie where any lead, I think, late in the game isn't going to be necessarily safe. I think when you bet against the Bengals, you're likely always going to be sweating it because of the backdoor cover, because with A.J. Green, with you know Joe Mixon coming to the backfield, Gio Bernard coming out of the backfield, with all of the, uh, all the different guys that they have to throw the ball to, I think you're always going to be sweating a backdoor cover with them. Yes, and it looks to me like they've figured out a little bit how to play with Burrow. Mm -hmm. Um, They went to empty sets. I think we spoke about this before the Thursday game last week, but in the end they went with, um, he had 61 dropbacks and they went with empty, um, 21 out of those passes. And his pressure rate in empty was 5% compared to 20% otherwise. So, you know, the argument is he, he can basically see where the pressure might mm-hmm. be coming from. If you're an empty, you can split the field in half. So I've got two over here. You can get rid of the ball quicker. And he, and he played a lot of that at LSU, did Joe Burrow. So he looks a lot more comfortable like that. Um, and that could help negate the Eagles' pass rush because they, they probably do have that advantage in the trenches. But they also have really bad uh, safeties and linebackers. Um, that's what that's what the Rams went after last week. They basically ignored um, Darius Slay on the outside, left him on Robert Woods, who got like twelve yards or so, and just went after went after the interior, the safeties, and linebackers with with Higby, um, and they they cooked him. So I, the Bengals' strength is is on the outside, really, though, isn't it? It's kind of it's green, you know. I thought I thought it's long gone. It was Uzama who, who's injured, so mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of those weaknesses in the same way. Um, but then on the eagle side of the ball, Wentz is Wentz is in all sorts of bother. He's got the the second worst completion expectation, completion percentage over expectation. Um, he's only better than Dwayne Haskins, and he's thirty second in total QBR through two weeks. So he's really struggling back there. 
he should have it easier this week, obviously against this this um, this Bengals pass rush, which which was missing Geno Atkins, and we saw how good they made uh, Baker Mayfield look last week. So we could expect we could expect um, Wentz to rebound a little bit. All of which to say is there, there's quite a lot going on here, and I'll, there was nothing that pointed me in a specific direction. The one way I might look is possibly the over. We saw so Eagles are already passing second um, second most in the league if we account for situation, um, and we've seen that the, the the Bengals are perfectly willing to let Burrow drop back sixty right. times and sling it around, and uh, so that might lead me to the over. The concern is Wentz, but as I say, I think he's he's probably got it. He's got to be better this week. We know he's not suddenly the worst quarterback <laughs> in the league. If he's not getting any pressure on him, then I, I think he he should be better. So possibly the over forty seven point five. I was uh, forced to bet Brett. Yeah, peel back the curtain a little bit here. You and I talk a lot on uh, on Slack. I said to you, I was like, I feel like this six isn't going to last very long. I'm going to get a six in my account here on the Bengals, and then we'll kind of evaluate later in the week. Well, the six is no longer there. It's long, long gone, sitting at four and a half. So I do have a Bengals six in my account. Uh, Carson Wentz. If you look at pro football focus, he is 32nd out of their qualifying quarterbacks in passing grade, 30th in yards per attempt, 31st in passer rating. He is last in percentage of passes charted as accurate. He also has more turnover worthy plays than any other quarterback in the NFL. So if you didn't like him already, let me give you those stats to make you really, really hate him uh, here Look, I took the six, I think, for a lot of different reasons. One, I don't like what the Eagles have going on. I think we saw that last week. They have no playmakers. They don't have anyone to get the ball to. Desperately missing Alshon Jeffrey is just a solid, reliable chain mover. Like, they don't have that in a wide receiver on this team. A solid, reliable, go get me nine yards when I need nine yards. They just do not have that um, with this team here. So... Even if the Bengals get down, I am actually not really all that concerned that they won't be able to come back and, and get me within that six number. But that six number is long gone, so we're dealing with four and a half now. What do you think of the four and a half? Yeah, I do like the Eagles quite a bit at the current number. Not a core play for me, but I do think they will be able to manhandle this offensive line and give Burrow some fits with this number two pass rush in the NFL, according to PFF. I also think they'll be able to ride Miles Sanders on the ground, keep it out of Carson Wentz's hands. Uh, you know, the Bengals, like Brad said, mm-hmm. they don't have Geno Atkins. Mike Daniels still not practicing this week. We saw what the Browns did to them on the ground in week two. They just gashed them the entire night. So I lean Eagles, um, but I love the over here uh, it, it, because the Bengals, like you said, they can score points late. We talked about it last mm-hmm. week. It, it's going to be a theme all season. Which bad teams? Can cover, can cover big numbers and hit overs because they're capable of moving the chains late in the fourth quarter. And one team we just talked about in Washington, I have no confidence that team can do that. But the Bengals are different. Right. They, you know, they ran they ran way above expectation on fourth down last week to get that backdoor cover. But I do trust Burrow to be able to make plays late in games. And that's terrifying if you're trying to fade this team getting big numbers or you've got another yeah. so. green Boyd Ross Mixon. There's just like so many different ways they can hurt you late in the game, especially when you're getting soft coverage and, 
and things like that. So that's kind of where I'm at on, on that one. And, um, you know, four and a half may, might be a different story for me, but at the six was, was something I was willing to take bears and the Falcons. We all know how this went for the Falcons last week, the improbable onside kick that they were able to get the bears were, you know, the bears are the bears. I don't really even know what to, what, what to say to this team. They're two and oh, one and one against the spread. Um, I still hate this team to high heaven. Brett, convince me otherwise. I don't know. I It's going to be the squarest play of the week, but I mean, I, I, I like the Falcons against this Bears team. I understand that this is the proverbial trap game and everything like that, but uh, I think my opinion could definitely change. That being said, if Julio Jones is not going to play in this game and he is not trending in the right direction, which is probably why I don't have a Falcons ticket as we sit right now. So my favorite play of the week is actually the Bears. Uh, right. I, I do not I do not understand why the Falcons are getting all of this love in the market after they melted last week. I I, I get that they're the sexy offense, but no, I mean, Julio Jones questionable. Offensive line is a triage unit right now. They might be missing key defensive players. Um, uh, Ricardo Allen and Dante Fowler, questionable. Meanwhile, the Bears have the cleanest injury report in the NFL right now. How are the Falcons going to protect Matt Ryan in this game against Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn? And it's funny because the Bears are a team that I would typically want to fade here after starting 2-0 mm-hmm. with some... I mean, that week one win was a fraud, but this is, you know, situations matter. If you can get the Bears plus three and a half, that's my play of the week. Uh, you can also get them plus three at even money at FanDuel. I like that. And I like them on the money line at plus 160. I think the Bears are a great spot this week. Brad, we have a, as we said, we do have a, a team coming off of a historic monumental collapse. We do have a Bears team that is riding high. I mean, at the end of the day, they don't, they don't care how they get the wins. Wins are wins. 47 and a half is the total. People might look and say, well, what, what in the hell is house is 47 and a half when you have a Bears team as the other half here? But we know that the Falcons put up points regardless, wins, losses, whatever it is. They're 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 able to to put points on the board here. Uh, do you what do you think about Brett's analysis here that a three in the hook on the Bears is one of the better bets of the week? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I like it. Um you know, like when we spoke last week, we were against we were against the Bears. Um, you know, we thought Trubisky might be overrated, but he, he was actually a lot better than you probably would have thought last week. He um, he earned an eighty point two Pro Football Focus grade against the Giants. Giants that was his best since Week Twelve of the twenty eighteen season. Um, you know, he, he had a couple of key drops, um, one one for a touchdown, one for a key third down, which is why they didn't move the ball that effectively. Um, but if Trubisky's playing better, if he's a bit more willing to r- run this. Best Bears offensive line again. This is this is top five by by pro football focus. We know about the defense, and we know that the Falcons have got offensive injuries. And so suddenly you've, you've got a strong defense, you've got a strong offensive line, and you've got a, a quarterback playing well. Um, and to me, health health is key, especially this year. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, I think they should probably be two and a half rather than the three. So if you can find the three in the hook, I think that is a good bet. Yeah, I um, like I said, I can't pull the trigger on the Falcons, despite that being a lean for me with this Julio Jones thing up there. I understand he wasn't a big contributor last week, but like 
uh, on the weeks where Julio doesn't have the box score, he, the fact that he's out on the field and running routes and getting as much attention as he does is what helps out all these other guys. And there's typically another guy that has a huge box score. In this case, it was Calvin Ridley, right? I mean, so not having Julio out there, despite the fact that people might look at the box score and say, what are you talking about? He only had two catches. And uh, yeah, and he did drop the big, you know, he, he dropped the big uh, touchdown pass and all that. But um, having him out there is just such a huge, huge factor for this team that really their only path to success is to outscore the other team because they are not go their their defense is never going to be anything that uh that keeps them in games if the offense isn't clicking. So to miss such a massive piece of the offense in Julio Jones, with that being a question, it's going to be something that it's a sit, wait and see for me. Uh, nothing in the account right now. Like I said, slight lean towards the Falcons because, again, we're talking about, yeah, Trubisky's played well and it's been okay. But, again, we also have to look at quality of opponent there as well, right? I mean, we are talking about the Lions. We are talking about the Giants, two of the worst secondaries so far through the NFL. So um, I'm not ready to kind of crown him as making any sort of leap or being even a serviceable quarterback in the NFL quite yet uh, Jets and the Colts Brad this is uh, the biggest spread of the week might be one of the bigger spreads of the year because this Jets team is absolutely horrible they are 11 and a half point dogs on the road at the Colts despite the fact that the Colts hadn't looked all that good either in this game uh, in this season so far and they're going to be without a lot of people. I mean, Jack Doyle's going to be out. Paris Campbell is out. Malik Hooker is now out for the year. The Colts, another one of these teams that low key has been uh, hit by the injury bug as well in all this. And yet here they are entering the week as 11 and a half point favorites. Yeah, this one is interesting. This is this is a huge mismatch again in the trenches on on both sides of the ball. Um, this Colts D line. We'll start with them. They're they're already first in sacks per pass attempt. Um, obviously, they signed DeForest Buckner in in the off season. They've got Justin Houston on the outside, and then the Jets come in. They're missing already with one of the worst offensive line lines in the league they're missing right tackle George Fant who he was a turnstile anyway so God knows what his backup is going to be like they're missing their centre Conor McGovern um, so you know <laughs> there was a lot of memes floating around Twitter throughout the week of uh, DeForest Buckner just throwing Viking offensive <laughs> linemen aside and destroying the quarterback and I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that and then on the other side of the ball the, the Colts offensive line again is one of the best units in the league and again, the Jets' defensive line is is pretty much non-existent. It's, it's bottom five by most uh, most metrics I'm finding here. So, if you if you look at kind of you know if you look at Elo models or anything that uses success rate or anything with a strong preseason prior, it's it's not buying that the Jets are suddenly the worst team in the league. Um, and it would say this should be under ten. This line. But I am not buying it personally. I I, I could not back the Jets. They have been absolutely awful. You know, like just against the Niners last week, they had 200 yards against a Niners team missing all right. of its best players until the very last drive of the game when they went 80 yards. Um, so the play I like here is if we think the Colts control the game, I don't really want to just ignore ignore the numbers and and that kind of thing and lay 11 with possibly not a good team. So I quite like the under 44. Mm-hmm. So. I think if the Colts do get up, they are gonna they are gonna run the ball. That's that is who they want to be. We know that. Um, they've got Jonathan Taylor. They were sixth most run heavy team last week um, when they were controlling the game. They're going to do more of that. Um, and and the Jets game last week. There was that eighty yard run 
to start it off. There was that 80 yard drive at the end in garbage time to, to take that over the total in the end. But the rest of the time there, there wasn't a lot of success going on. Um, so I, I think the Colts get up early and then I think they just control the game with the run game. And I don't think the Jets are going to score more than more than 10 against this um, D-line, which sh- should wreck shot. Yeah, Brad, that's actually, you kind of kind of stole my thunder with this one right there. Uh, you can actually find the hook over at BetMGM. So you can get 44 and a half over there, which is where I went ahead and and got that in the account. Uh, same feelings here. One, I don't think the Colts should be laying 11. And if I had to play a side, I would play, I would play the Jets. I just, I'm not interested in either one though, because, would it surprise me if the Colts put it all together and won this thing by three touchdowns? Not really at the end of the day because the Colts are so poorly coached and, and really can't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, I'm just going to play in there. I'm just going to play off their deficiencies and on the offensive side and play the under as well. Uh, Brett, what is there any further analysis really in breaking down a game with a with an 11 and a half point spread with uh two teams that have have been maybe uh less than stellar to begin the season here well if i'm laying 11 and a half i need an offense yeah. that can light a defense up and that's just not how the colts operate especially i mean this is a running football team mm-hmm. that's uh, i just i yeah but at the same time like how do you bet the Jets? Right. Like, I, that's what I'm saying. I can't do it. I should. Everything, everything lines up and it says I should. And I just, I, I just, and I just can't do it. Like if they fall behind, how, how are they going to score? <laughs> po- who is, who is Sam Donald throwing the ball to? Yeah. There's no crowd this week. Like Braxton Berrios is wide receiver one. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to watch this game. I want to, just forget that this game exists. It's, it's this is a terrible. This is just a terrible. Well, maybe you game. have an opinion on the on the Panthers and the Chargers. Uh, the Panthers, the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey, of course, that being the big news. The other big news being that Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured by a team doctor, and Justin Herbert trotted out on the field for the Chargers last week and just proceeded to go for 300 yards on a rushing touchdown and look like he's the second coming here. So. Um, here we are. It looks like we're going to get Herbert again this week, Brett. And, uh, you know, maybe for the rest of the season, if he continues to play like he did last week. That said, it is still difficult for me to put my trust in a raw rookie quarterback who, while he did flash last week, I don't think he's ready for the NFL game yet. And he's laying six and a half against a pro football team. It's like some of what I saw from him was excellent. And he does get a dream spot here against this Panthers defense. But I don't think Anthony Lynn is going to unleash this kid in this spot against this defense in a game that he has circled as a win. Like he has to have this circle as a game they have to win. And if you're laying a touchdown, you've got to be able to move the ball through the air and score points quickly and running straight which is probably what they're going to do here with Kelly and Eckler just doesn't do it for me. So, I mean, you had a low total here, 43 and a half. The Panthers have playmakers. The question is, can they get creative and scheme yards to keep Teddy upright yeah. and out of trouble against this pass rush? If they can, and Matt, I know you love Joe Brady. I think the Panthers are going to be right in this game. I mean, like, there's nothing about this Chargers team that instills look, fear into me outside of the pass. Look, rush. Mike Davis, who's going to fill in here. I mean, his, the way he makes his his hay is is a pass catcher, right? I mean, so he mm-hmm. should be able to kind of fill the the, the McCaffrey role. 
on the offense as far as the pass catching side of things. Now moving the ball on the ground's a different story. He is more of a primarily more of a pass catcher. So how what they're going to do from there yet to be determined. But um, Brad, what are we looking at here? We have a a, a McCaffrey list Panthers team and a now rookie led Chargers team. Yes, this is uh, another interesting one. So I think it's fair to say Herbert was probably flattered by his performance last week. Um, PFF had him as the third most uh, turnover-worthy plays last week. And it's it's important to remember that, obviously, the Chiefs, he, he was put in during the anthems, basically. You know, no one, was, no one knew he was playing until he took the first snap. And that's a huge edge in, you know, the Chiefs have spent the week game planning for Tyrod Taylor and suddenly you've got someone you probably never studied on film whatsoever. Um, but that said, he it's the dream matchup. You know, the Panthers had one professional <laughs> defensive player, uh, K1 Short, and he doesn't look like he's going to play. Yeah. And, you know, they've got, I think they're still on zero sacks. I think they got their first QB hit last week, um, which is, you know, good for them. <laughs> what, I, what I quite liked here was potentially the over. This is two teams in the top 10 pace-wise. Um, and Carolina... So, you know, I think however bad Herbert is, I think he probably can move the ball here. Um, he seems to have a bit of a connection with Keenan Allen last week. Um, Carolina, they've been playing quite slow teams. Teams have been playing against them at the seventh slowest pace, but they themselves want to play quite quickly. The Chargers have shown they also want to play quite quickly. Um, so I wondered if over 43 and a half might be worth a look um, because, yeah, as I, I think Panthers are just dead not overs team aren't they? Because they, they're going to give up points and then they've got the weapons on the outside that, you know, they're going to let Bridgewater throw. I wonder if it also could be a bit of a letdown spot for the Chargers. Um, you know, that was that was a huge game for, the, for them last week. They went into overtime and now it's kind of, you know, a bottom feeder mm-hmm. NFC team, which they don't really care about. So I, I don't know how up for it they will be. And if they're, if they're a bit flat, then we could see a few more points. Um but that's not one I've bet yet. So uh, a lean. Yeah, me. I'll go ahead and keep this one pretty quick. Uh, this was one of the first couple of games that I scratched off of the list here. Too, too many uncertainties for me. A offense that has been completely schemed around one player for so long in McCaffrey and him being removed from the equation. And then the whole weird thing with Herbert kind of being thrust into the starter role here. Now there being at least a little bit of tape on him for people to, to study and see and at least prepare that he's going to be the guy that's going to be under center. Uh, I will sit back. I'll see how these two teams perform and maybe get some notes and get a little better feeling of how they're going to operate before I decide to put any money in on these. Now, this is a different scenario here, this Lions and Cardinals. Uh, Brad, this is a spot where people are saying, hey, this is where the Lions are going to bounce back. This is where the Lions are going to to do it. This is where they're going to surprise people. They're catching five and a half points. This is where you should be backing this Lions team that continues to collapse, that continues to disappoint, and that continues to not get it done. I think I might have tipped my hand right there as to which way I'm leaning on this, but let's go ahead. Um, uh, Lions visiting the Cardinals as five and a half point dogs. Yes. So the the Cardinals, they've played two good defensive lines and they've produced against both of them. And now they've got just a paper towel defensive line. So the Lions through two weeks pass rush win rate is um, is 19.2%. And no one else in the entire NFL is below 30%. So the pass rush is non-existent. On the back end, they're still going to be without Justin Coleman. Um, 
then the, the the third overall pick, Jeff Okuda. Again, there was there was lots of video all over Twitter of Devontae Adams <laughs> just sending him completely the wrong way. You know, about as wide open as you'll get on an NFL field. So he's possibly not ready. Um, and and Matt Patricia again, we like to bet against terrible coaches, and he he appears to be one. So despite having no pass rush and corners that aren't ready for the game or are injured or are backups, he's still playing man coverage eighty percent of the time. So. He's not adjusting to what his team is doing. Um, and I, I don't really see how the the Lions are materially better than the Redskins last week, who went off mm. seven and a half. Um, you know, so I'd say those teams are pretty close to even on a neutral field. So we what we see a lot of times with possible breakout stars is that the market, market doesn't really catch up to them that quickly. You know, like mm. when Ca- the Panthers in that 2015 season, Lamar last year, Mahomes even, they, they covered 11 in a row or whatever. Is when, t- when a team is really good, you know, the market is is basing their, their numbers off, off models and kind of regressing to the average. And it, it doesn't always catch up to, to how good someone like Kyle Murray might be. Um, so, I would go with Cardinals like you minus five and a half. Yeah, Brett, I am. Uh, I'm all over the Cardinals here. I think that they're better by. I, I think that they're they're better by touchdown in this, and with it being only five and a half. I mean, look, you. I think Brad nailed it on the head with. I don't see a huge difference in this team and what they got last week. Now, yeah, upgrade a little bit at the quarterback position in Stafford, but when we look past that, I mean, I don't see a huge, huge difference in these teams at all. Uh, Kyler Murray seems like he's figured it out, right? He was a little bit quick to run last year. Now he's only running when he actually sees those lanes and he sees that he's got those 10, 12-yard gains, and it's just absolutely destroying defenses here early in the season. I don't know the Lions are going to have any sort of answer at all so um that's kind of that's kind of uh, from from top to bottom I could not find a way to get myself on the Lions I try to talk myself when I'm this adamant about something I try to talk myself out of it and I was not able to do so I'll stand up for the all Lions. right let's do it let's um, do it look the Cardinals are the trendy sexy team in the NFL right now and the Lions are again the Lions they have that stink on them yet again but we have not seen this offense yet this season with Kenny Galladay who is trending toward returning this week and he adds a whole new dimension to this offense and allows them to free up space for some of these playmakers like a TJ Hawkinson like a DeAndre Swift I'm not selling this Lions offense the defense has been a disaster. I was about to say, defend the defense. Yes, yes, please. Please defend this defense. It's given up 425 yards a game, six and a half yards per play. Yeah, I mean, I love the over here. I'm I'm buying the Lions offense to be able to keep pace with the Cardinals Mm -hmm. here. Um, I, I do definitely lean Lions at this number. I think this is a good buyback spot with Galladay returning, but I definitely, I mean, the play here for me is the over. All right. Bucks and the Broncos. Um, I will real quick. This is another one that's crossed off my list. If you guys have a strong opinion one way or the other, but it's in that dead man's zone of the five and a half. It's, you know, so many weird things going on with the Broncos now with, uh, is Jerry Judy even going to be able to play? He's dealing with a rib injury. Um, we know that Drew Locke is out. Cortland Sutton is out. But then this Bucks team, this weird, weird number here. Brett, you tell me if you have an opinion, go right ahead. This was uh, probably the second game I crossed off the list. 
I love the Broncos. I love the Broncos. Every I was about week. to say, when are you so going to not man? like, like the Broncos? When, what do they have to do to you to for you to not like the team? They don't get any respect because, because they're they put not L's good. up in the standings. They lose games, but they just cover every single week and close. They're always in games. And I think they do it again here. I, I'm still on the Tom Brady fade. They weren't impressive at all last week against the Panthers. They look terrible in week one against the Saints, who don't look good either. And now they travel to Denver in what looks like a windy, like just windy conditions with a, a noodle armed quarterback against this defense that can cover receivers. I'm not worried about this Tampa Bay offense whatsoever. I, I think this is another great spot for the Broncos. I don't think there's a huge downgrade at quarterback between Drew Locke and, and Jeff Driscoll. I kind of like Jeff Driscoll. He can, he can create plays. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, Brad, uh, look, they get Chris Godwin back, uh, out is drew Locke. out is Cortland Sutton out is AJ Bouye out is Philip Lindsay out is Demarcus Walker. Of course we know Von Miller out for the season. And yet Brett is, uh, Brett is saying that they're the, the that they're, uh, that they're the team to bet on here. I'll put it this way. I, while I would not bet this, it would definitely be bucks or pass for me, but, um, I, I chose the pass. What say you? Yeah, I, th- I think the Bron- I think the Buccaneers might actually be a little bit mm-hmm. underrated. Um, there, there's been they they're actually fourth graded offense by Pro Football Focus, um, and Brady's been playing quite well. There's been a, f- a fair few drops uh, from his receivers, which should improve now with Godwin and Evans in there. Um, and I, I just think this Broncos team, like they're, they're, there's only so many body blows you can take, <laughs> right? You know, the the passing game is is the king in any NFL game, and if if you're down, you know you you can say that oh, was not a huge drop off to Jeff Driscoll. I, I think there is. He's you know he's a career backup for a reason. He he can run around a bit, but again, when a team is prepared for him all week, like the Bucks will, um, you know they, they're going to be ready for him scrambling. They're going to be ready for what whatever he does well. And is Jerry Judy? A, he might not play, yeah. and if not, then who are you throwing to? But B, he's a, he's a slot receiver and he's a rookie, right? And he, I, I don't, uh, he can't be your lead weapon. Um, against a good Bucks defense, which we should win a line of scrimmage as well. So I actually quite like Buccaneers minus five and a half if uh, if you can get it. Cowboys and the Seahawks. Cowboys on the road at the Seahawks. They are actually catching five points in this one. Brad, this is a Seahawks team that has started off impressive. That being said, was one play away from losing. Last week, this Cowboys team, of course, we know the improbable comeback after the, the miracle onside kick. This is a game that people are going to gravitate to. They're going to look and see the Cowboys catching points here, or they're going to look and see the Seahawks number at less than six. And this thing is going to get some action one way or the other. And I think people are going to have pretty strong opinions one way or the other. No huge injury news one way or the other. Really, Bruce Irvin, I guess you could say, um, for the Seahawks is going to be out for their their defense. So Bruce Irvin being gone could be considered some pretty huge news. But uh, how do you see this one going here? Cowboys on the road getting five points. Man, I wish this total would stop going up because it's up to 57 a lot of places and I, I, I want to back the over, but there, there's got to be a point where you stop. Um, so I, I thought there was a key injury here. So I thought this was an interesting stat. The Cowboys have one cornerback above who grades above 99th at the position, who is Chidobi Awuzie, and he's out this week. So they have no cornerbacks in the top 100 at the position, um, which seems which seems 
a bad recipe against Russ, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, who just cooked the best defensive backfield yeah. in the league. Um, so I don't really see how I don't see how the Seahawks don't go nuts here again. Um, just carry on where they left off last week. You know, four hundred yards, four touchdowns, yada yada. Um, and then the Cowboys. I think they're, they're they're perfectly suited to just keep coming back, just as they did last week. They've, they've got all these weapons. The offensive line was the big question for me last week, um, but the the Seattle pass rush is thirtieth in the NFL um, by PFF, I think. So if if they don't get a pass rush, we already, I mean we we saw the Seahawks just get cooked downfield mm. by Julian Edelman and Demir Bird, right? Well, this this Cowboys offense is not that. They're they you know they're much much better. They're much better weapons. Um, so I really don't see how just this isn't just a shootout. Um, and I would probably still go over 57, to be honest. They're also both playing quickly as well. Uh, Seahawks still throwing 60, 60% on early downs. The Cowboys, the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy actually came out on the week and said, um, you know, we're, we're not going to try and run the ball and keep it out of Russ's hands. We're just going to score as fast as we can. So I'm, I'm quite excited about this one because I think it could be explosive. Brett, this is going to be a fun one to watch for me. I think yeah. uh, the Seahawks, maybe it'd be Seahawks or Pat. I think the Cowboys are going to be a pretty trendy dog, actually. I think people are going to want to get on the Cowboys in this one the more that they dig in. I was not able to settle on a side in this one. I'm just very excited to sit back and watch what I expect to be probably 60-some-odd points maybe put up on the board here, but uh, no definitive side for me in this one. Yeah, another Cowboys game with a dead number, another yeah. Seahawks game with a dead number. I'm staying away from it. I, I continue to have a poor read on the Seahawks. I guess they're just a top five team every single year, <laughs> and I continue, I want to fade them every week, and I have banned myself from doing so until they start losing football games. Like I, I want to lean Dallas mm-hmm. because these injuries up front on the offensive line aren't going to be taken advantage of by the, the Seahawks pass rush, like Brad said, but... I do think there's going to be a lot of points in here, but this, this is just going to be, you know, sit back and watch and enjoy. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Let's talk about another one uh, here that it's going to be tough for me to give analysis on because there's just so much uncertainty. It's this Packers and saints game. Uh, Brett and I, you and I were talking about this before, uh, you know, before we got on and really at the end of the day, it's hard for us to give proper analysis on them when we don't know if the two best players on the field are going to play or not. And that's kind of where we sit right now with Michael Thomas and Devonte Adams. Both are up in the air as to whether they're going to play or not. And so Brett, we could be, we could be trying to break down a game where the two most integral parts to each offense might not be playing. So for me, it's a. I'm going to sit back, try to get an injury report here on Friday, see if there's more to dig into and more to assess. But um, I don't want to give a whole big spiel here for something that might that might change in in four hours. You know, like one of these guys could like definitively get ruled out or definitively get ruled in, and then you know the the whole thing changes for me. Yeah, the most important practice report to watch on Friday is the Green Bay Packers. What do we what do we find out about Devontae Adams today? If he's not going to play, I kind of love the Saints at minus three. Like mm-hmm. as bad as the Saints have looked, what are the Packers going to do on offense with Alan Lazard and Robert Tanyan <laughs> as the lead pass catchers in this offense? Seriously, yeah. if, if Adams doesn't play, this has to be a beautiful spot to sell on Green Bay, a team that I've been selling early in the season because of the, the negative regression that was supposed to come, but hasn't. They look better than they did last year when they went 13-3. and three. Even if Adams plays, he's not going to be 100%. So, ah, God, it feels like it should be a smash spot for New Orleans, but 
the hesitation tells you just how bad Drew Brees has been without Michael Thomas. This is just not an efficient offense. You can only dump it off to Alvin Kamara so many times. Yeah. Um, I, I trust Sean Payton to scheme ways to mask Brees' inefficiencies throwing the football. He's been doing it for years, but without that safety blanket and Thomas, this is a different team. So another one where I'm just like, I, don't, yeah. I, I have no idea. It, it's same, like this. you said, it's the most important injury report. This is what I'm going to be watching. Brad, um, you could have gotten a hook on this thing a little bit earlier in the week. It is now a flat three, despite the fact that, um, d- despite the fact that, you know, we are so uncertain with both of these, uh, with both these injury reports here. Do you have a read on this or do you at least have an idea how you might want to play it? Should the injury report break one way or the other? Yes, yeah, so I think obviously I'm, I'm no doctor, but from what I can gather, I think I think the injury report might favour the Packers here because Adams, you know, he he wanted to go back in that game last mm-hmm. week against the Lions, um, and the coach just said we we don't need you essentially. So he he was good to go, and, and you know he said this week I'm glad he didn't let me go back in, but it says to me if if it if it wasn't so bad then that he couldn't play then you know mm-hmm. I, I think he'll be fine Sunday night, and then again I, I guess, but. Also, high ankle sprains for Michael Thomas. Even if he is out there, he's, he's not going to be right after two weeks. You know, we, we see this a lot that it uh, it saps explosiveness yeah. the, these injuries, and you you know it, you can rush it back, but he won't be able to move the way he should be moving. Um, now, I, I kind of un, away from that. You would say that the the Saints are the, are the sharp play again, based on your preseason priors. We shouldn't be changing it too much. Where we thought the Packers were, you know, nine win team. Saints were ten and a half. But the quarterback play has been stark, and this is why I like the Packers. Um, so for Rogers, again, we spoke about this last week. How quickly he was getting rid of, rid of the ball. Um, he, you know, the past couple of seasons he was throwing the ball after around three seconds. Um, he's down to two point five one, and but he's still throwing mm-hmm. deep. So it feels to me like everything's in rhythm, everything's working. Again, Adams is important to that. Um, but he's also he has built more rapport with with Valdez Scantling, Alan Lazard as well. So. He's 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 the highest graded quarterback in the league through two weeks. On the other side, we've got Drew Brees, and the cliff comes fast sometimes for for old quarterbacks. He's he's thirtieth by Pro Football Focus. He, he doesn't he doesn't have his best weapon. And just watching him against the Oakland Raiders, who don't really have a pass rush, he he had happy feet in the pocket. He was resetting. Yeah. Just watching that game on Sunday night, and. I don't know. And he, you know, he looks sad. Yeah. He looks sad on the sideline. It, it's just, he's so, not the same guy. I mean, like, it's just, he, he's just not the same guy. And as you said, like sometimes you wake up and you're old, you know, and I think that this finally happened. I mean, we were seeing signs of decline last year as it was anyway, but I think it finally got here, you know, kind of that, like he woke up, he's old, he's not the same guy. I'll, I'll tell you how I, 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 I told Brett this early in the week. So I took it, with the hook, I took Green Bay with the hook with the thought that maybe there would be money coming in to where I might be able to try to middle this thing at on the three, right? So I took Green Bay in the hook with the thought that, you know, I would try and try to come in and middle. Um, if that's not the case, I'm fine having Green Bay in the hook in my account. I don't I don't feel bad about that at all. Of course, I would love to be able to to try to middle the, the three here, but uh, I don't know if it'll actually get there. Like you said, maybe depending on how things go, maybe if they say that there's a a decent chance that Thomas plays, the money starts coming in. I, I, I don't know. We, we, we shall see, uh, or they say that he's definitely ruled out. Money starts coming in the other way and, and maybe it gets down to the two and a half, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see 
uh, how the injury report plays out with this one. But I think that the the Monday night game is the game that everyone is looking forward to. The Monday night game is the one that everyone is is licking their chops at. Three and a half right now, the Ravens uh, favored against the Chiefs. And guys, I'll just go ahead and say right out of the gate here, I am on the Ravens in this game. I think that the Chiefs are going to draw a lot of money and a lot of attention in this game because it's the Chiefs, it's the returning Super Bowl champions, it's them getting the three and a hook. But I mean, if you dig into what we've seen so far from this Chiefs offense, it has been less than spectacular. It has certainly been uh, underwhelming. And a lot of that has to do, and don't get me wrong, I think that the guy is certainly phenomenal. But Patrick Mahomes has missed a lot of open throws. And he has tried to make some throws where he could have set his feet that he didn't. If you kind of rewatch these games, um, I, it's, I'm not going to the whole thing. He's buying into his own hype or I, I'm not talking bad about Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying sometimes fundamentals get away from you when you are as talented a guy as Mahomes is because you can do things other people can't. And uh, he's missed some pretty easy throws. He's thrown some stuff behind guys that, um, that he could correct that all this week. Maybe he does. But when you look at what this Ravens team brings to the table here with Lamar Jackson. with It looks like they're just firing on all cylinders, like they did not miss a beat from last season. I actually, in my power rankings, had them as the best team in the NFL last year uh, over this Chiefs team. And uh, that that loss to the Titans still just kind of, kind of blows my mind here. But um, Brett... I, I don't know. I, I'm actually pretty excited to to bet the Ravens and to have them in the account here. And again, I think a lot of people are going to be on the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, it's tough. You know, you would think the Ravens would be able to run all over the Chiefs here, but you also know that Andy Reid has had this one circled for months. Mm-hmm. It, there's a game plan specific to Lamar Jackson that the Chiefs will deploy in this game. And I, I don't want to read too much into the run defense metrics for KC from last year and early in the season because it's going to be completely different. They're going to game right. plan for Jackson in this game. So, but it hadn't been good is what I'm you're saying, trying to say. Yeah, like if, if yeah, we want to say, no, yeah, it yeah, I mean, I, but it's worth pointing out, right? They are going to scheme. They are going to whatever. However, the Achilles heel of this team last year was a run defense and the Achilles heel of the team sure. so far this year has been the run defense. Yeah, I mean, I look, I'm just going to sit back and watch this one from the mm-hmm. sidelines. And when these two teams meet in January, <laughs> we'll have another game sample to look at and analyze. Right. But I don't want to pretend like I know what these two coaching legends are going to do in this one. I know my limitations. So this this will be more of a learning experience for me. All right, Brad, there's threes out there. There's three and a half. There, there's three and a halves out there. The the, th- the lone three is heavy, heavily juiced uh, at FanDuel. Minus 135 on the Ravens if you wanted that. Total 52 and a half ish out there. Do you have a position on this thing? Um, I did have a small bet on the Chiefs plus three right. and a half. Um, right. So again, this is a preseason. You know, I asked I asked a few people who who, you, who would you have favor on a neutral field, and you know, it was unanimous Chiefs by mm. one or so. Um, and it it seems to me that this has moved entirely off the Chiefs game last week where obviously that, you know, they looked excellent in the opener, but last week they looked sloppy essentially. Uh, but this, the, they, they said in that broadcast, how well the Chargers were set up mm. or how, what they thought they were, how well they're set up to just play these chiefs. You know, they can, they can rush you with just the bookend passes, rush you with four. And then they play cover three behind it, keep everything in front of you and just tackle and they tackle well. Well, the Ravens play, almost like the inverse style to that. They blitz six and they want to play man against you. Um, and I, I wonder, I, 
they, they obviously they, they have the personnel for that, but mm. do they have the personnel to match up with Tyreek, Mikkel Hardman, um, Demarius Robinson? Those are probably the hardest receivers to co- to cover man on man in the league, and there's a reason why you know you mm. want to play cover three because you know you don't you don't want to match up to the man on man to man. So I wonder if that could be a little bit more favourable for them. And pass rush whites, it's, it's interesting because the Chiefs, the offensive line has not been good. Uh, part of it, I think, is because of that Chargers game. Um, so that that would be my concern. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is suddenly bad. Is you know he is mm. probably the best player in the league. Um, I thought it was interesting. Six games in, as an underdog, he's he's five zero and one. So he's never not. Mm-hmm. He's you know he's never failed to cover or you know he's never lost money. Um, so I do also agree that they will have circled this game because the number one seed is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spoke last week about how it seemed quite conservative the, the, the way they were playing they're not throwing deep uh, they're running the ball a lot now that could have been they could be not throwing deep because they don't trust the offensive line I'm, I'm not sure um, so that, that you know that's why I wouldn't have a huge play here um, but also on the Ravens side of the ball they're actually they're 24th in offensive success rate which is not Ravens like mm. to me um, I, I, I don't really know why that is maybe it's just because they have been so comfortable yeah. um, you know they smashed both teams um, so yeah I, th- I think it's just too much of an, an adjustment from where we were pre-season off relatively limited sample size where the Chiefs may not have been playing their best stuff so um, I'm happy to get the hook here I wouldn't play it at three yeah the total is pretty much right on for me I don't have any sort of play when I've run this you know different scenarios here it always kind of falls within that that you know two point two two to three point window something like that so I don't think that there's an edge to be had in that one at all. But guys, hopefully we have a, another good and profitable week this week. Hopefully we bounce back, uh, talking to Mr. Uh, uh, Colson over there. Hopefully, oh hopefully we bounce boy. back and, uh, come back off the Schneid and, and, uh, we're able to come here in week four and give you guys some, uh, some good picks as well. So as always head over to the lines.com, be sure and check out all the breakdowns and everything over there. And if you need an account, wherever, whatever state that you're located in, uh, head over there because we cannot stress enough having multiple accounts out can help you out. Cause I mean, we picked lines and totals and things on this podcast from several different sites right here. So be sure and get the best number and the best line that's out there for Brett for Brad. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>